Welcome to season three of the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast. My name is Amy Wheeler and I'm your host. We are so happy to tell you all that's happening in the world of yoga therapy. And we love to find guests from all over the world so that we can share and learn and grow together. Some of the things that are happening in season three that we find so exciting is that not only are we continuing with the free gift that we are giving out every single week in season two, and you can see more about that in the show notes, but now we are adding a YouTube channel and you can see all of these podcasts on video. The YouTube channel is called Optimal State with Amy Wheeler. Some people like to watch video maybe you want to use it for one of your trainings these videos on youtube will be there for you to use for free we would love your support we have opened up a patreon page that is going to help the podcast flourish and grow you can help us to expand and grow and create more content for you and we'd love for you to visit the patreon page which is called optimal state and yoga therapy hour podcast so let's go into our guest today and please nourish yourself take time for yourself and really relax into listening to the podcast our guest today is molly mcmanus who is one of the co-directors of yoga north yoga therapy school in duluth minnesota and she has also recently been asked to volunteer as the chair of the board or the president of the board of the International Association of Yoga Therapists. And today I, I really wanted to talk with Molly about her new position and the strategic plan of the IAYT, including their efforts around integrating diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility into all levels of the organization. Also, what are the IAYT plans and what have they been doing around inclusion of international members and organizations? So we get into a lot of really interesting talk, but what it boils down to is you and me doing our best as members of IAYT to promote the field, to make connections, to bring organizations into the fold in terms of letting them know what is yoga therapy and, and how can it help them individually and in their organizations. And really all of us not waiting around for IAYT or someone else to do the work that we are the work. We are the ones that are going to step forward. And instead of thinking, why isn't someone opening this door for me? Thinking, hey, I'm part of IAYT. I think I should open the door for myself and for others. So it's a really interesting conversation. And then, you know, really what I think it boils down to is each of us doing our own dharmic work in the world, both interpersonally, looking at my own kleshas, my fears, my ego identifications, my attachments, my aversions, my misperceptions. And of course, all of you listening would be willing to do that same work on your own psyche. And then 
being willing to come into relationship with one another with different beliefs, different ideas, different expectations, values, and to do the tapas, right? And and I think as we do that tapas with each other in order to bring the emerging field of yoga therapy forward, simultaneously doing enough self-care that the tapas doesn't burn us out and make us hate yoga therapy or, you know, get some kind of negative feeling about the work that we're doing. And so that that life work balance is so important, especially for those people who do a lot of volunteering. How much tapas can I do to help the field? But then how much self-care do I also need? And what is the balance? And, and noticing when I've kind of gotten off track and, and gone too far into helping others and being of service, and now I'm burnt out versus I'm going to sit here and let everybody else do the work so that one day I can benefit. And I'm going to sit over here and complain that things aren't good enough, but I'm actually not willing to put in some effort, right? There's there's that balance between the two. So I think Molly and I have a very nice, rich conversation around this emerging field and, and what's happening in the field and the strategic plan of IAYT. And also the importance of not overdoing it in any particular direction and really checking in somatically with our own bodies and our mental states and our spiritual states to determine if we're doing too much and not enough self-care to maintain that balance so that we stay well and can do the work long-term in a sustainable way. So that's just a little introduction to Molly McManus from Yoga North and the new president of IAYT. Welcome, Molly, to the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks, Amy. It's great to be here. So for those of you who don't know, Molly has taken the role of president of the board of the International Association of Yoga Therapists, and she has taken over for the amazing Matra Raj, who served as board president for two years. And now Matra is still very much involved in supporting the field of yoga therapy, but she also has grandchildren and some things that she would like to spend more time with. And Molly, I I was just so pleased when I heard that you had accepted the invitation to be president. How was that for you? Well, thanks, Amy. I um, I will say it, in some ways it was so shocking. I was like, are you, are you sure you mean me? <laughs> it was one of those moments and I feel like I continue to have those moments, but it was an honor, obviously and exciting to bring, you know, just a, another feel to our work as, as the evolution of, of, I think, IOIT is moving in a, in a new direction or in another direction, I should say. Yes. And just so our listeners know, it is a huge responsibility. I can tell you, having been president of the board from 2018 to 2020, just before COVID hit, But it's all volunteer. And I just want to thank you and the rest of the board members 
for volunteering in this role. It's a big commitment of time, energy, focus. I think our families suffer, our home yoga studios suffer, our yoga therapy training programs suffer because we're giving so much to the field of yoga therapy. So I just want to honor you and say thank you. And thank you to your family and your colleagues for supporting you to be a leader for us. Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. There is definite sacrifice, but that all of those people that you talked about, but that sacrifice, I think is really in service of the greater good and of moving yoga therapy and the, you know, the hopeful softening of suffering for many as our field moves and grows. That's, that's important. So one of the reasons I was so thrilled that you had taken this position is because I had remembered probably four years ago being at a meeting with you in Austin, Texas, where you brought forward a book called Traction about strategic planning for organizations. And I just want you to know that everybody should go out and buy the book Traction. First of all, I, I loved it so much. And while IAYT was implementing their strategic plan. I simultaneously did that for my optimal state yoga therapy school and it made all the difference. Mm -hmm. And so as you and I were preparing for this interview, you brought forward another great tool that I am already in love with just looking at it, but I'd love for you to talk about it. I'm going to put this, what's called the diamond map on screen. And if you want to see this, You'll have to go to YouTube. That's where you can see the video version as opposed to the audio version, which is on all major podcast platforms. But tell me about this diamond map. Is this something you came up with or I just, I'm in love with it already. Yeah. Um, so it, it is a really a work of multiple people. So I think, I think I could give you a little bit of the origin story and how it, it, how it came about. The original map that we used at Yoga North came from this Klesha map at the bottom. And you see how it's, there's a, this is a, the shape of the diamond for those of you kind of listening in on the podcast and on the bottom, you know, the very bottom is this idea of separation, suffering, restriction, and how small we get, how tiny and contracted we get. And then if you get to the, the top of that part of the diamond, so that's a, you know, a triangle, you get to a vidya, right? There's a place in here where, where we have wrong knowledge, we forget who we are, that whole thing. And so the pattern happens that we start you know, with the vidya as that seed of, of suffering of, of our kleshas and that we move down into separation. And when we find ourselves in separation or suffering, there is a way back up. And so for me, I just had this visual of trying to move out of fear, to move away from clinging, to not do things anymore that didn't serve my dharma, my purpose. And so I had to soften my need to engage in my likes, my raja, and to avoid things that that made me, you know, not support my own ego identification. So, you know, it's like moving back up this where I start to remember who I am. And I remember that I'm not just this body. I lovingly get to be in this body and take care of this body and know that this is the body that helps me do my Dharma in the world, but that there's my Purusha, right? Our Purusha that we want to identify with. And then from there, you move up this map into how to be in the world in a way that I think creates 
true and incredible connection, contentment, freedom. And that is learning to breathe, to pause, to do our work of contemplation, of sitting. It's to start getting ourselves to a place where we have straight thinking or right thinking or, or correct thinking is a, is a word we might use for it. And, you know, I, I like to think about that from this idea of booty or discernment, really learning how to bring that on. Well, how do we do that? We have to start thinking about our belief systems. We, we want to start to examine the things that we've accepted to be true, but maybe feel like they don't really work in our life now and really starting to discern and get lucid in our life. Right. And then from that straight thinking, we start to be able to speak clearly and to speak with, you know, truth, you know, balancing ahimsa and, and satya. And then as you move out into the world, you get to start to learn and listen for understanding. So this is a big piece that I wanted to bring forward today because I think it's one of the things that I want to have us do at IOIT as an organization is really to listen for understanding to our the people that are in the organization, to all of the people that have joined the organization, to the people we sit with and serve in the world is that, is that we get stronger at doing this. And then over time, we keep growing and having trust, love, respect, all of these things that we want to have. And during my time at IOIT, I've sat on the accreditation committee. I was the chair of that for a while. And there was something that I always tried to remind us is that we, if we can hold an environment of positive intent, around the work we do, around the people that we engage with, rather than any kind of one up, one down or adversarial or, you know, us and them really thinking about this is we're in this and we're working and walking together. It is a different experience, I think. So this map comes from Yoga North, from, from my school. It comes from 10th Dot and one of our teachers, Yogi Raj Achala and his wonderful wife, Vivi. And uh, you'll see that that's based on the Howard Jackson model. And then the wonderful thing is one of the students in one of our training programs loved how we, you know, we wrote this up on a big white piece of paper and she, Amy Dixon, went ahead and put this into a beautiful handout with the colors and things that you'll be able to see. And maybe you'll, you'll I'm not sure if you're sending this out to folks, but you're welcome to if that I would love that. I was yeah. going to ask yeah. you, can we make this the free gift of the week? So. Absolutely. And I, you know, and I'm happy to answer questions about it. People can contact me directly too, if, if you want to have more information on it. It is, it is a life path and it's something that I keep coming back to all the time to be a better me <laughs> in a way. Yeah. So many things come to mind. First of all, what you just said, be a better me. And mm. that is, it's, usually two humans or three or four, depending on who's trying to work through the challenge or the, the project. And sometimes we, with that us versus them attitude, we kind of make somebody else into the bad guy. And then we can project a whole lot of stuff onto those people and them. And, and I, I love the idea of coming back down and saying, wait a minute, which, which Klesha is having me go in that direction. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it really is just personal, everyone doing their personal work within the organization. And, you know, my experience at IYT, I'm not going to lie. There were some really, really tough, tight conversations that I think all of us, you know, fell and continue to fall back to our own personal clashes. Mm. And the the place that I get really stuck is when 
all parties think they're having straight thinking and they think they're listening for understanding and talking straight. And, and we just have different viewpoints, of course. And so that's the hard part is just continuing to go back and say, okay, we are stuck. And I know Dan, the lawyer is very good at helping us work through these tight spots. The grown zone. (laughs) Yeah. The grown zone. as Dan says. I, I love this idea of continuing to foster positive intent. You know, even as I go through accreditation right now, it's not easy. It's not easy to look at that feedback about my school and not get a little, you know, back to positive intent. Nobody's trying to attack you, Amy. It's okay. Breathe, pause. (laughs) So it's just a never ending process, but I think we have committed to the yogic path and this is it. Mm-hmm. Right here. We, we could even forget about the lofty goals of enlightenment and just stay with the diamond map. Yes. I mean, connection and contentment and freedom are a worthy goal. <laughs> you know, like they're a worthy result of the work of sitting in your, in your, I would say your higher truth, not our ego's truth, but that higher truth of trying to find resonance and, and meeting each other, you know, meeting yourself first and foremost, really, that's a big part of our Dharma is really understanding who we are in this lifetime. And then of course, trying to find that resonance with other people. I mean, that's, you know, that's the joy of my life. And also the thing that's sometimes the hardest, of course. So how do we make room for more people in our lives so that we can learn and grow our capacity to hold and be with others is is part of what this is as well. And I think that's, you know, really the path that IYT is on right now is making room. Tell us about that because in your, the email that you wrote to me, as we kind of planned out this talk, you you said you'd like to touch on leadership with a focus of inclusion and using this diamond map as kind of the path forward. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about that inclusion. Cause I think that has been a, a strong critique of IOIT over the years, probably rightly so. Yes. And now you're, as a organization, you're like a barge turning the corner and people want to see results faster. And if I say it, I want it to happen tomorrow. Kind of when really, it really is the barge moving and there's many layers of approval. And so tell us about that. Yeah. I, I, can I use our our sitar as an example? Do you think that would be a good to start? Okay. I think for me, one of the things that, you know, I mean, I think we have this work happening all over the place at IYT. It's become one of our main strategic priorities. So to have an organization make that one of their main strategic priorities, and not just in a performative way, but in a way that we want this to be the reality at IYT. And we're going to take the steps that it takes to get there. Sitar was one of those places where I feel like we saw a big shift in that. And, and, you know, hear me that I believe there's so much incredible work that's happened in, in the tradition of IAYT. There's been, and so I'm not, I'm not saying that that hasn't been true, but what I think happened in this last couple of years is that we wanted to, and specifically this year, we really wanted to have this feeling of 
connection and this feeling of, you know, we are all IAYT. And that was something I always said when I was in the accreditation committee as well. It's like, you know, we're, we are IAYT. So why would we ever have this feeling of one up, one down? You know, I really wanted to see some of the traditions that have been long held, like, you know, that all of the board up on the stage, the entire time behind a table didn't feel right to me. And so I requested and, you know, not just me, other board members also requested that we just have a few chairs and we were there, there for a while. So everybody got to see us so they could talk to us, you know, throughout sitar, but that it, we just moved back into the audience and we were part of rather than sitting over. And so that was one thing I think is just to change the feeling of that. And I really enjoyed it. This year, we did things like we had a submission process for people coming in to do presentations instead of a more invitation. So in the past, it's been an invitation, like, would you like to present? And certainly there's some of that for keynotes, but there was a process and the DEI task force that IOIT has luckily had really informing a lot of our priorities right now were the people that decided who were going to be our speakers. And I think we saw a hugely diverse and incredibly rich group of people that were coming forward. So that was part of it. The other thing I want to say in Sitar, what I noticed is, of course, it was a little bit smaller this year. And so there was an intimacy where I think people actually got to walk and talk together even more than we have in the past. And there were so many new people in person, Amy, and new people online as well. And one of the things that I think is a big challenge for IOIT is that some of us are getting older. And so there is an aging population of CIYTs and we need youth. And there was a huge contingent of young, vibrant people that were like seeing themselves on stage during presentations that were seeing themselves being asked for comment and consideration and being included. And so I just felt like I kept hearing from people saying, I've never seen myself in this situation before. I've never been represented and I feel like I am now and I feel included. And so that was a big part of it. So do you have any thoughts? I've been saying for years, we need young people. Do you have any thoughts on how come that shifted? Well, I think, I mean, there, I, th- I mean, I have some theories and I bet you do too. I think part of it is during this last couple of years with this distancing and this in, in COVID and, and, you know, we were forced to have different practices and I think it actually allowed different people to start to access the work of yoga therapy and the education of yoga therapy that never would have before that wasn't really accessible. You know, we know how expensive it is to go through a yoga therapy training and to travel and to do all things like that. And and I think what's happened is people have found it's more accessible, especially in the hybrid ways that we've been doing, which is hard. I mean, we know hybrid is, is not easy, but it's creating a different world for, for yoga therapy. And I'm super glad. And do you think that, you know, of course it's not solidarity with everyone, but do you think, feel like in general that the leadership of IAYT is open to online learning in the future and online conferences in order to increase inclusion for one, (laughs) but also I just think the future of medicine is telehealth. Whether you're doing PT or a medical doctor, I pretty much communicate with my medical doctor online most of the time. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So do you feel like IYT is starting to really embrace that reality or is it still kind of a grown zone figuring out if it's possible? I think that's a both and. I mean, I believe that IYT has been embracing it. If you, if another way that I would say that we've been able to work with more accessibility, more diversity is actually through town halls and through, I mean, this was how we were on an online platform for the last two years. So we've been doing it. This, there is a way that it has happened. And I don't know that we can ever go back to, you know, everything in person. We just can't. And I think, I think everyone knows that knows that the success is going to be determined by our ability to be nimble and to evolve. And, and everyone knows that. And it, still requires great thought around how do we do this well? You know, how do we do this well? And I think we're still learning, which, which is good. I mean, we had a great meeting, a kind of a, an after sitar meeting and, and everybody was excited about the fact that that hybrid really went off well this year and, and found out where else we need to improve. Cause we do. That's the truth. Well, and you know, in all fairness, every university in the country and a whole lot of, you know, high schools and junior highs too, is also struggling and trying to find the best ways to educate online versus in-person hybrid. What are the best practices? I mean, we haven't even had time in the last three years to develop best practices because Mm -hmm. we've all been scrambling to just survive. So I don't think IOIT is behind. I think to me, it seems like they're right on track with all of education, which is in a complete transformation from where it was five years ago. Yeah, agreed. I and I think again, it's still it's still evolving as far as how that comes out to the schools. And of course, I'm curious as well because I have a yoga therapy certification school as well. So I think it's a stay tuned. What I'm seeing is this receptive, open approach to what is next for us. I mean, I think even just if you think about the ways that the IOAT has responded with, do what you need to do to help your students was, it was heartwarming to me. It was so refreshing. It was like, oh my gosh, I, I feel trusted and I feel like I get to support the people that are coming for this education well. And, and that was a big thing. It didn't happen for everybody that way. So outside of IOAT, I mean, you know, Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that goes back to your diamond map, that assumption of positive regard or positive intent to place trust in the schools to do the best they can for their students, because of course they want to do the best they can for their students, but leaving it rather open about all the possible solutions. I think that was a big active faith from IOIT to the school directors to say, we trust, we have positive regard for you that you will do what's right for your students and not try to cheat or, you know, get by somehow not not making everything as it should be. Right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I agree. And, and now starting to pull in the information from the schools, how did you do it? That was the meeting of schools a lot this year. How did you do it? What worked? What didn't work? What what are we learning from all this from technology to the way to be inclusive of your students that are maybe in person and hybrid? We really talked a lot about that stuff. And I feel like I certainly learned and I hope that, you know, I gave good information and I I think we're going to keep developing and as an organization and as a field. And like I said, if we can be nimble, if we can evolve, we, we will grow. 
That's, and I, I love that. I, I'm sure there's like a, a human resources word for this, but going out to us, you know, meaning all of us, getting information, bringing it back, finding best practices, feeding it out, going another round. Okay, now what are the, you know, just that continuous communication cycle with us, not with the members of IYT, because like you said, the members are IAYT. Yes, it's, it's correct. Yes, I keep I keep wanting us to to let's just paint that everywhere. We are IYT, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it should look and feel and and be as diverse as it is that we as we want to remember who we are, you know. And I think we all have to do a check, myself included to look at all the positive things that have happened are happening will continue to happen and not get stuck on that one thing that I'm not happy about. And I'm digging my heels in cause I'm mad now. Like I, I've been through that. I'm sure you've been through that. I think that's a really common response that if I don't get my way, I'm going to take my toys and go home. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Instead of saying, yeah. look, we're an emerging field that also had to deal with COVID, like there's, we're juggling balls. They're, they're in the air. We don't know what the next chapter looks like, much less the whole book. And we're in this together with unconditional positive regard mm-hmm. moving forward the best that we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And constantly asking ourselves to learn and what re- really reminds me of is I feel like so much of what we're doing, you know, with we do yoga with somatics, right? So that's in, in my school. And I feel like that whole process is about bringing consciousness to every cell of my body, you know, really embodying this, being a spiritually embodied human being. And, and I feel like that is what I see IOIT trying to do as well, you know, just from my, where I am over here in the corner at IOIT in a way, but that's what I feel is that we're trying to move more consciously. We're trying to bring consciousness to ourselves. And as you know, sometimes that's kicking and screaming to bring your consciousness forward. And sometimes it flows so beautifully and so I'm so glad we have so many different members and so many different people that hold us accountable and that support and give what we need in order to keep moving consciously into the next 50 years. Yeah. I think that's such an important thing. You said people to hold us accountable because I think moving forward with consciousness is not about feeling good and spiritually bypassing and we're yeah. happy. It's about the tapas of rubbing up against one another and the push and the pull, and nobody's going to get everything they want. But in the tapas, which is the whole point, the the journey, we will hopefully get headed in the right direction, even if not on the perfect path. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of coming back to this idea around that priority to implement diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. I want that to be there as well. And knowing that, you know, we've had really good results and we've had great things happening already, but we have a lot of work to do. You know, we created a, and published DEI competencies for the organization, which are going to inform all the work and the guidelines moving forward. You know, they have to, and it's not always going to be easy and it's going to mean we have to shift. And some of us are going to have to give up spaces and, and make room for other people. I mean, there's a lot of that that will happen in the future. 
There's also the, you know, the DEI task force gave really some recommendations that I feel are going to be the blueprint for the future for us that are, again, not always the easiest. There are a lot of things on there. I was like, wow, I had to really sit and parse out many things because there was in each line, there was there was work that was a lifetime of work in a way. And so I know that it's not going to be easy to do all of it, but it is what we're doing. And we just committed now to having another standing committee of the board, which might sound light to people, but it's a huge thing to have another standing committee. We have the accreditation committee. We have the certification committee. We have the member schools committee. And now we will have a diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility committee. That will be a standing committee that, that works with the whole organization to make sure that this is our life path forward. So we'll be recruiting for new members for that Mm. as well. So that's pretty exciting to think about. And I will tell you at Sitar, there was incredible engagement around it. And again, it was all different kinds of people and young people and the future yoga therapy stepped up and said, I want to be involved. And I saw it time and time again. So it was really exciting. I have goosebumps thinking about it right now. (laughs) It really is. And I was telling my husband that just in four years, like in 2018, I, I really was pushing for the board to take a look at this. I remember only been four years and we've seen tremendous change, maybe not fast as fast as some would like, but we really true have really, really changed the trajectory. And when you follow that trajectory out 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, the the changes we make now become exponential. That's right. As that needle moves forward in a way different direction. Yep. 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 And, and as we let ourselves grow that way, again, I, I can only think that it means, it sounds big, but I can only think that it means less suffering in the world, that, that it means more connection in the world, that it means actually more consciousness in the world around a lot of the things we weren't willing to look at before. You know, I know that I've had to change. I've had to look at some of the things I use as phrases. I've had to consider, you know, even what are some of the underlying beliefs that I want to really get over. (laughs) And so that's, that's the path I think we're all on. You know, I was having a a text conversation with some of my friends who happen to be on the DEI committee for IAYT about International Yoga Day and what, what are the origins of that? And is it truly an inclusive yoga day? And, you know, like, those really sticky conversations are so necessary. And, mm-hmm. and I, I've just kind of come to the place, at least for me, that my work is to engage one-on-one with people that I have a, a certain amount of trust and unconditional positive regard with and just learn and grow and have the tapas. And that's really all I can do. No, Amy, I think you're really good at that. And I will say that I feel like you have been certainly an inspiration to me and probably many others to have brave conversations and to come forward, you know, willing to make mistakes and do it publicly in some ways. Like you really, you are such a good model for that. So I thank you. I think we all do. I think it comes from being an introvert and, and almost being incapable of doing it on a large scale, you know? 
the only thing I have as an introvert is one-on-one. <laughs> so, well, and, and now like a huge platform as well. <laughs> well, even for this podcast, it's just you and me. Yeah. That, that, and whatever Adam produces and puts out there is great. But for me, it's, it's you and yeah. you and me right now. So yeah, it's the best, isn't it? <laughs> It is so, such a blessing for an introvert like me. So Molly, we've, we've talked about diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, IYT's strategic goals going forward. Are there other strategic goals that are really at top of mind that you'd like to tell people about? Yeah, there's, uh, I'll t- I could touch a little bit on each one if that helps. So priority oh. one was advancing the profession of yoga therapy. And I think that we are continually trying to do that. There was a a big thing that, I mean, it it seemed big to me is that we are working collaboratively now with Yoga Alliance, which was not happening for a long time. And we did that webinar not too long ago for their members, for our members that helped to have people understand what yoga therapy was and actually to say yoga therapy is okay to say in our Yoga Alliance profiles and things like that. And, yeah. and that we were able to reclaim who we really are within both organizations. And so I think that was a big, I think it was bigger than we know how much that will rip out and help people be able to bring yoga therapy to more people. So that was oh, one. Not, not to mention to have two of the larger yoga organizations playing nice together in the sandbox and actually having that positive regard for one another and modeling good behavior. Like to me, that was very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I was happy to be part of that and honored to be part of that as well. So it was, it was, it was a good conversation. I think there'll be more of that, hopefully. Great. You know, a couple other areas just to say is that I think, you know, the certification committee is always working, you know, there's always been a, a, a thing to have allied professional building bridges there. But I think we're doing that on many different levels. You, you saw in SITAR, you know, work with the Society of Integrative Oncology, with some integrative medicine that we're trying to build these bridges wherever we can help folks understand who we are and how we can support the work that they're doing, that we're not a threat. We're actually, it's an advantageous relationship that we really can support each other for, for better well-being, for whole being well-being for the people of this world. You know, that is already happening. We've had the wonderful experience of working with Give Back Yoga Foundation. You've probably seen that. Mm -hmm. There's a couple more things coming up soon from that. And so continuing to build those handholding those those working together things and i think i think that's just going to be ongoing so that's one and and so iyt is organizationally creating these bridges with other healthcare professions and i want to say again we are iayt so instead of just waiting for iayt to do all the work and you know maybe i can get a full time position and each one of us has to engage wholeheartedly in creating bridges in our towns, in our states, with the relationships we have. It's not just going to happen top down, and we shouldn't wait around for that. We should each be out there creating the field of yoga therapy together. 
Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better, Amy. You, and that's exactly what we have to do. And collaboratively, like if we've learned anything is that if we work together as yoga therapists, as schools, it can be so much better. Anne and I, my business partner, we're just talking today. I said, I really want to call a couple of the heads of some of these schools. I have some questions I want to ask Amy about what they do when this comes up in their school or Robin or people like that. And just how do we work collaboratively? So that it's a synergy rather than what's she doing, you know, or what are they doing? And, and so that, that's what I hope we can all start to, to get more versed in doing is being collaborative. Along those lines, Molly, last year I hired an HR person, which was kind of expensive for a small school like myself to do faculty evaluations. And she and I spent hours and hours and I spent a whole lot of money coming up with a beautiful evaluation for our faculty to do reviews. And I thought, this is something I could offer to the other schools. Maybe they'd want to shift it a little bit based on their values and beliefs and needs, but that doesn't need to be created individually by every single school. Mm -hmm. If we had kind of a bank where if one of us did something like that and we were willing to share with the others, I think we'd have this very rich resource pool that would make it financially less burdensome for all of us. Yes, absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly <laughs> approve. Let's do this. I, I support all the right, plan let's is what do we it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any other strategic goals that you can think of that you want to point out? Yes, I think one to say, let's see, expand integrative and complementary healthcare and health promotion networks to promote yoga therapy. So I don't know if you know that we held a focus group with major yoga researchers to explore how yoga therapy can be addressed more specifically in the future of yoga research that isn't just around asana. So I don't know all the results of that yet, but just to say, looking to change the way even yoga therapy is approached in research, I think would be really delightful because we know that asana is just one tiny, tiny little piece of what we do. Mm -hmm. That if we're really being honest, if I'm being honest, how I approach asana is very different than I, when I did, when I was first yoga teaching and it looks very different. It, it is, it's such a different approach. So even the way sometimes asana is used maybe isn't, isn't authentic to all of us. Right. So I know we try to have an accessible approach to it and a therapeutic approach to it, but now looking at all of the other aspects of yoga and trying to get more of that integrated into research. So that's part of the plan. Great. And then I think it's really important also to say from a business, improving our organizational business, we hired a wonderful new marketing and communications manager, Marita. And I think she is going to be incredible. She's young, she's vibrant, she's got new ideas. And so I think there'll be a real change in in that. And this is another way that we will find that demographic of younger, no offense to us, (laughs) us that are getting on our our wisdom years, but we, we need to have younger people. And again, we saw that at Sitar and, and my hope is that we just keep reaching more new people. Has she already started? Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't know if she started and I just had this thought this morning that something has shifted in IAYT social media in the last month or so that has a spark to it now. So Mm. Be her help. 
yeah, I can't wait till you meet her. You'll see that she has a spark all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Coming to us from Barbados. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, that wonderful that you can hire someone from Barbados to do social media and communications. I mean, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. And that is really as a result of, you know, more and more openness to working from remotely and to working with what, what is the truth of where we are. Well, that, that kind of leads right into another question that I have. And, and that is that I know IAYT has been working for a long time to somehow have a more international audience and invite people from India and China and Australia and New Zealand and, you know, all over the world, we would like to come together. Mm -hmm. So what is going on on the international front? Yeah, let me see. There's a few things I want to say about that. Well, of course, the last two years, we have had to do different things to maintain connections to the international communities because we haven't been able to travel. We haven't been able to go. I know, like Amy, you and John got to travel to some really incredible places and make some great friendships and some great connections. And, you know, you know, we, we feel those connections still, but we couldn't do that for two years. And so what we did have to do is keep up our outreach and communication in a, in a different way. And I want to say that's definitely happened. And the interesting thing is even though we haven't been able to travel, we've had an increase in international memberships. We've had an increase in international schools. We've had it. So there has been an increase. The things that I think IYT has done to try to really make that happen to the best of the ability that we have right now is, of course, last year we had the virtual sitar. There was over 900 people for that sitar. That was incredible. And they were from everywhere, you know. And in this year we had a hybrid sitar, and that was to honor this knowing that not everybody can be here for many different reasons. And so that was part of it. We've held these town halls, the the member schools, the DEI committee, of course, have held town halls that have, you know, hopefully opened things up. We've also done town halls around even how to use technology, how to work with more of an international bent, because you have to have technology that works, you know. I think what's the hope is, is that we want to rejuvenate the relationships from around the world and hopefully we'll be able to see staff board members different people traveling and and making those long leaps of of connection and and i hope that's soon so that's that's the plan is to start doing that and you know sort of just starting to ramp back up everybody wants to be safe and thoughtful about it though i also just want to add i think what you all did for Sitar inviting people from third world bank countries to come at a discounted rate or free to Sitar and maybe to the research conference also, I'm not sure in the fall, but I I think just acknowledging that the U S dollar and how much money is required even to register for a conference is not always possible in some of these third world bank countries. So I really appreciated that. Do you have anything you want to add? Well, what what was interesting for me is I kept seeing these emails going back and forth and we kept adding more countries and we kept at being more inclusive. Like somebody would say, hey, we can't afford it here. And hey, I think I could, 
you know, reach out to these, these people that aren't, that aren't being included in this because they're not in what would typically be, be called this world bank country. And so we kept expanding who we were trying to help and support with these scholarships and these, you know, discounted scholarship type things. So I think there's a willingness to find a way to reach out and it's a big deal. You know, it's, as you know, it's not cheap to put on a conference. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, luckily we have a lot of volunteers here. I mean, you know, IOIT is a volunteer organization in many ways. We have a dedicated staff that frankly is now quite international, everywhere from Barbados to Canada, Nairobi, Australia, Asia, between the staff and Europe, all, all over uh, India, all, all over now. But we, we need to keep working toward more and more of that if we can. So intentional. So that's what we're trying to do. I love it. I love <laughs> it. It's that idea in nature that through diversity, we will be stronger. It may take more time to sew the tapestry together. But once we get that tapestry, we are going to be so much stronger together. It's richer, more beautiful. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Hopefully we'll stop leaving people out. And I know we probably still are. And my hope is that it will be a welcoming place for people to be. And I can hear that you're open to feedback if someone is not feeling welcome or not feeling included mm-hmm. that you and the board and others are willing to listen to try to improve absolutely and and i would say amy i also always want to say we also need problem solvers because we can't solve all the problems we need not only the feedback but we need help and support in problem solving so remember that's part of it if we keep saying we are iayt we are and so please come forward with ways that we can be better i love that i i always tell my husband i tell my faculty if you have a problem talk to me about it and come with a solution and we'll see if we can't implement it. And the solutions they come forward with are things I don't think about. I I couldn't have come up with, and they're usually really great solutions. So I love that idea of you have a complaint, think of a solution and let's talk. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So this kind of leads me into the last, you know, maybe one third of the interview. And that is, how are you and and maybe even the other volunteers at IAYT, because I think a lot of people who volunteer as well as the, the staff works very, very hard. How are you managing your dharmic work of volunteering with running a yoga therapy school, with teaching, with private clients and a family while trying to keep the joy of life and the creativity flowing like how are you doing that? Mm-hmm. Great question. And ever evolving, I would say. I think we've already said that there's a way in which you know that you're going to have some sacrifice and that that sacrifice, if you keep in mind, is for the, you know, the greater good. And, and that's something that, that motivates me. I feel like I've always been motivated by that is by, you know, something that supports more, more connection. Like that's what it was. I think my, my mom used to always tell me that when I was a kid, I wanted to have a club. And so I've been just creating places where I could be in clubs and be part of clubs forever. And, and because I wanted friends, I was an only child for a long time um, until I was much older. So 
how do we keep doing it? Well, I think part of what it is for me, and I can't speak for everybody here, but part of what it is for me is to try and realize what I don't need. And I, you know, I just listened to your talk on the four desires and it's a big, huge topic in my life and one that I teach on and, and work with people all the time. And so comma, artha, dharma, moksha, and I think is, is actually really using those consciously or in with, with what we're doing. So I try to remember that I want to bring comma. I want to bring pleasure, enjoyment, connection to everything I do. And that doesn't mean I'm not willing to work hard, but that I have to remember to keep myself in the equation and keep my creative spirit in the equation and, you know, do things outside of yoga once in a while, which, you know, I never did, but I mean, I started making jewelry and doing things like that because I wanted to feel my hands doing something differently. And I cook and that that's, these are ways I think that we, we create balance, but I think it's, you know, how do you make time in your schedule for you? How do you make sure that you find ways to keep your practice, whatever that looks like, you know, everybody's practice is different. I have a, you know, I have a gentle soma yoga practice. I suffer from some different health concerns. And so my practice looks very different than it did even a few years ago. And I practice things like mudras and, and bayus and things like that, that actually support my subtle work. I think that's one of the ways for me that I find that supports me staying my wholeness rather than splintering. And if I'm real truthful, sometimes I can't stay in my wholeness. Sometimes I definitely, you know, get overdone. I was overdone in the last couple of weeks, even coming back from sitar, I hit things running and hit the ground running, teaching this and that and the other thing. And so, you know, just finding ways to what we call it at Yoga North is what are the antidote practices? If I am going to give these insults to myself, what is the antidote for that? What is going to bring me back into balance? So knowing myself is, of course, the most important part of it. Svadhyaya, you know, self-study, mm -hmm. constantly being in that practice. Yeah. And last thing I'll say to that is also really taking the help from our colleagues as well. What do you mean by that? I mean, you know, supporting each other, both with our businesses, but also, Amy, you you have so much wisdom around working with Sattva, Rajas, and Thomas and working with different things. And so I listen to you and I, and I, and I consider what you have to say, or I work with Robin Rothenberg. I've worked with different people that have important things. My own partner, Ann Maxwell, that really have helped me find where my blind spots are mm -hmm. and, and go back into it. You mentioned Arun earlier as well. You know, there's so many incredible people in the yoga therapy world. Get yourself a yoga therapist. That's what I have to say. A hundred percent. Someone that holds us a, a little bit accountable yeah. to the goals we claim to have. It's not about, you know, giving your, your life over to a, a guru necessarily, although some may want to do that, but it's more that you have someone that you go to and say, here's the kind of person I want to show up as, Yes. oops, I fell off the wagon again, help me figure out how to get back on and not letting there be too much time where I'm lying on the ground and the wagon is driving off without me, <laughs> you know, that I, I like realize quickly, like, Oh, Amy, you have gone, gone somewhere. You have no business going. Come on. 
get get with your teacher, get back on. Let's let's see if we can't find your Persia again. Yes. Yeah. Amy, don't you think too, that there's a way that there's these, obviously these subtle signs, if we can stay at least in attuned a little bit, we can start to notice, Oh, that showed up for me. That needs to be the departure point. That reminds me, I've got to turn myself around. I've got to pick back up that practice. I've got to recommit. I've got to phone a friend. I've got to, you know, get a hug, whatever it is that helps you come back to you you know, uh, luckily we have our friends and colleagues as yoga therapists, but we also have ourselves. And I think if we can, if we can know what some of our signs are, I mean, I know some of mine, like I want gummy bears when I'm, when I'm uh, like out of balance, like, I don't know what it is, but that's what I want. And so if I have that craving, I'm like, Hmm, what's going on here? So. That's how I am with caffeine. I don't even like caffeine, but when I get a Rajas mind, all I can think about is caffeine. And so if I start to have more than one cup of caffeine a day, it's a huge stop sign. Like, whoa, mm-hmm. girl, yeah. what, what is happening right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's taking, you know, quite a long time to figure out that that's, that's the stop sign for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope you do it compassionately. Cause that's the other thing is how can we be more compassionate, self-love, compassion, bringing those things I mean, that's, that's the name of the game for me as well, because I'm not going to be perfect. I can never be perfect. And I think I spent a lot of time trying to do that, trying to feel like I was enough, you know, and feel like I could come forward perfectly before I would ever come forward. And that's not sustainable. I mean, that was killing me literally. And, and that's really not what I want It's there's so much less joy in my life when I operate from that place. And so that's, I'm, I'm really trying to, learn to live in a different way continuously. Well, well, that brings something up that we had talked about just before the podcast was this near death experience that you had a few years ago and how it shifted your priorities, your perception. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So a couple of years ago, I, I got sick around like a, like new year's Eve and I was sick and sick and sick and not getting better. And it was right when COVID was coming out and I thought maybe I had that, but I was always denied that I had it. So I got really sick and sicker and sicker and it was in my lungs and in my sinuses. Basically long story short, I ended up after, after not getting enough help in some ways, I ended up going into respiratory failure with something called eosinophilic pneumonia and had to be, you know, on a ventilator and in ICU and, you know, really pretty much almost died. So I was brought back before that point had had a really full engaged life, all those kind of things. And, you know, felt like I had to get everything done and do everything. And when that happened, everything had to stop because, you know, I almost died. And then I had a very long recovery where during that recovery, I kept not getting better and it was because they had gotten the acute piece of it, this eosinophilic pneumonia out, but I didn't get a diagnosis for a while and any real good support on that. And so finally, I got a diagnosis of something called EGPA, which is an autoimmune vasculitis that has some of the white blood cells in my system attack my organs. And mm. it's, you know, without treatment is fatal. And so luckily, I've been surfing Eastern and Western medicine together 
thankfully. And learning, you know, at that point I had, I mean, everything stopped in my life and I had to sit with who I was and what I wanted. And, and what I wanted was to embrace the parts of my life that made me feel full, that made me feel connected. So you often hear me say that word because it was a big deal and consciousness was a big deal after, you know, being under for many days. So I feel like what now I'm trying to do and trying is the word is to continue to create a life that feels rich and full and on my path that includes enjoyment and comma and fun and friendship that is letting go of the places where there are friction. Most of the time, the friction is my own. It's when I feel dug in or like I have to have it my way. And that's a departure point for me now when I'm like, notice myself really needing it to be a certain way where I'm like, oh, can I let go of that? Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't, but those are the pieces of work that I'm doing. So well, thanks for sharing that with us. I think there's a vulnerability And I've recently been through this too, because let's face it in the yoga world, there's kind of this stigma against anyone who isn't perfectly healthy and looking radiant and almost maybe even a judgment if we get sick, well, what did they do wrong? And how come, you know, didn't they take care of themselves? Aren't they walking their walk? And I, I just think that's ridiculous. We, we can take really good care of ourselves or not. And things happen. It's right. Yeah. And there's a cumulative effect of our life too. I mean, I've had, you know, some adverse experiences when I was young and I did have a lot of life where I probably wasn't doing my, my best work for myself. Right. But I was living and I was surviving and I was learning. And, and now I I feel you're totally right. I, you know, sometimes I have to walk with support because it affects my nervous system and goes down into my feet. And sometimes I don't breathe well. And these are all things that how can a yoga therapist come forward looking like that? But it is the truth. We are yoga therapists. I'm a, I hope to say I'm a, you know, I'm a yoga therapist that cares a lot. And sometimes my main work is helping people really learn to be okay with where they are in in a body or in with a mind or a spirit that is hurting. And that's part of my path is to say, where can we start to feel even content in some of that? I agree. Over the past decade, I've had autoimmune that's been disabling and then chronic pain, which is just completely a very difficult experience and now cancer. And I feel like as much as all of those things were not that much fun. Actually, really great as a yoga therapist to learn those things, you know? That's being present, right? Isn't that what we keep saying? We want to be present. Sometimes it takes really extreme things to get us to know what that means, you know? Yes, I do. I, I agree with you. So Molly, is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we end today? Well, you know, I, I, this keeps coming to me when someone asks me, is there anything else? And I always want to say it is never too late <laughs> and you are worth it. And each one of us deserves happiness. Each one of us deserves to feel seen and heard and loved. And it starts right with us. Mm-hmm. So I think we all just hopefully can keep doing our practices and keeping invitational to the people that are around us. 
I completely agree. And I think that is a wonderful place to end and, and leave our listeners so that they can reflect on that also. Thank you so much, Amy. I really, really appreciate you and all the work you have done for yoga therapy and for the world. Love you, lady. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I love you too. Thank you, Molly. And after having this conversation with Molly, I'm kind of reminded of a conversation I had with my husband on a dog walk the other day, and that is whether we like it or not, the entire earth, all of the people on it, even those who believe differently than you do, have different values, have different perceptions. All of us, including plants and animals on earth together, we are like one big, huge organism. We are in this together. We're all in the same boat. And, you know, when that separation occurs that Molly talked about on the the diamond map of it's us versus them, or my people get it, your people don't get it, or I'm doing more work, you're lazy, or, you know, whatever these separations are that we have within our families, our communities, with our colleagues, with people maybe who have a different opinion than us. And then, you know, all of us working together to take care of Mother Earth. I heard a new term from my friend Angela that I hope to talk about soon on the the podcast called eco-spirituality, right? We're in this together whether we like it or not. Nobody gets to secede. And I think when we accept that reality, that we're all in the boat and the boat maybe has some holes in it, there's a storm coming, maybe we're in the middle of a storm, but it's not really an option to throw people out of the boat or to climb out of the boat. Like we have to come together and figure this out. And some people may be fighting in the boat. Some people may be punching you in the boat. Like even so, we're still in the boat together. I think when I accept that reality, it doesn't mean I have to like it. It doesn't mean I have to not have boundaries. It doesn't mean that I have to focus on all the negative things, but I do have to acknowledge that we are in this together. And every decision, every communication that we have makes a difference for for better or for worse. And I think, you know, at the risk of sounding like a spiritual bypasser, of course, we're not always just going to have joy and love and fun together. I think the acceptance is we are in this together and we're going to have tapas together. We're going to have that friction and that heat. And that's the journey we have together in this boat. And we're each going to have to do our svadhyaya or our self-reflection. And even if the other people in the boat aren't willing to do that, we still, as yoga people, have to do our part. And that's quite painful, right? And then the Ishvara Pranidhana. We're not going to get everything we want all the time. Probably not going to get most of what we want. And just being okay with what is. And knowing that we put our two drops in the ocean, but the ocean is going to do what the ocean is going to do. 
you know, sometimes when I think that way, I get very despondent and I think, well, who cares about the two drops I put in the ocean? Does it even matter? Like, wouldn't it be just easier to separate myself and and not contribute to the boat? I'll just sit over here and not row. (laughs) But that's actually not an option either if you're on a spiritual path, right? That just taking our toys and going home, that's not an option. It's not to say that we might not need to take a break. We might not need to shrink the the conflict and and add more joy. I mean, there's many ways to work with the equation, but we're still going to be in this together. And I think until I really fully accepted that, I couldn't actually play nice in the boat because I was always thinking I'm getting out of this boat (laughs) or I'm taking a break from this boat instead of saying, okay, I'm here. This is the life assignment I'll alternate between self-care and responsibility and go back and forth and and listen to my needs and take care of myself. But I'm going to stay here and be present and work with others to, in this case, bring the field of yoga therapy forward. So I guess that's my question for you for reflection is, are you willing to accept that we're all in this boat together and there's going to be rough seas and we're going to have friction? And we're going to have to do our work, even if it looks like the other team isn't doing their work, we still have to do our work. And that that is our assignment. And are you accepting of that assignment? And if you're not, that's okay too. But it's something interesting to reflect on because I think when we accept that we're in this together, we actually approach things differently than if we are thinking, I don't want to do this, I'm, I'm, I'm ejecting. As as long as we have that in our mind, all of our thoughts, perceptions, behaviors, words, actions are different when there's an escape route. (laughs) So just food for thought. I hope you're well, and we'll continue this discussion. Please don't forget to sign up for our newsletter mailing list, where we give you a free gift every single week. It's usually something that the guest has been talking about, like a book chapter or an article or an infographic. Check out the show notes for that. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget, we have a new YouTube channel called Optimal State with Amy Wheeler. We also have a new Patreon page where you can support us to bring you the most excellent content and that is Optimal State and the Yoga Therapy Hour Patreon page. Also, you could write us a review on most major platforms that host podcasts. Give us five stars if you appreciate the show and tell us what you love so that we can do more of that. Finally, we support several nonprofit organizations through this podcast. See the show notes to understand how you can help. If you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor for this program, contact us at the email welcome at theoptimalstate.com. Welcome at theoptimalstate.com. And finally, a special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, 
senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines, Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada, Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria, and Peter Morley, who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.biz. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.